If you're healthy right now, you probably don't even want to think about it. Maybe you're afraid you'll jinx yourself by even letting your mind wander to a world where you can't run. But if you look at the statistics, anywhere from 50 to 80% of runners will get injured this year, which means there's a good chance it will happen to you. Even if you do everything right, like eating and sleeping well and keeping up with your strength training. Yes, those things will greatly reduce your risk of injury, but nothing is guaranteed. As helpless as it can feel when you're forced to take a break, you can and you will get through it. And if you get through the injury process well, you might even be better off than you were before you got hurt. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. Today, I'll be talking with Cindy Kuzma and Carrie Jackson, who have devoted their careers to helping injured runners. You'll learn specific mental tools and techniques for getting through an injury with your sanity, how to stay active and keep your fitness even if you can't run, and how you can get through an injury and come back better than before. Cindy and Carrie co-host the Injured Athletes Club podcast and are co-authors of Rebound, Train Your Mind to Bounce Back Stronger from Sports Injuries. Cindy has bylines in Runner's World, Self, The New York Times, and more. Carrie is a certified mental performance consultant through the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. She's been featured as an expert in numerous publications such as Outside Magazine, Men's Fitness, Women's Health, Runner's World, and the New York Times. Cindy and Carrie have talked to runners at all levels who've been injured and who've bounced back. Their stories, tools, and community are an important resource that you won't know that you'll need until you do. Don't forget to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for another Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. And now here's my conversation with Cindy Kuzma and Carrie Jackson. Welcome to The Planted Runner, Cindy and Carrie. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here, Claire. Well, we are going to get into the topic of injuries for runners, and most people don't want to talk about this, but there are a lot of runners getting injured every year. I've heard so many statistics from 50% to 80%. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's a lot. And we do everything we can to prevent injuries, but most of us are going to get injured. So what's step one? when we get injured, what should we do? Ooh, that's a good question. I can tell you what step one usually is versus what it it needs to be. It's so funny. Um, I, oh my gosh, Cindy, I'm so excited to hear your answer to this too. This will be really interesting. I think step one really is to know that, um, uh, man, if you are, are privileged enough to call yourself a runner for long enough, there's a very good chance that at some point you're going to go through an injury and that that is just part of your athletic journey. And that happens to be where you are 
on your athletic journey. So I think the first thing to know is that it it happens and nobody wants it to happen and the timing is never good, uh, but it does happen. And and even though at that moment it might not feel like it, it actually can end up being a blessing. I know everybody's cringing right now that's listening to this and that's mm. injured and is like, whatever, <laughs> Carrie, I'm done listening. But and you're and you won't feel like that right now. And you're not supposed to feel like that right now. But eventually when you get on the other side, there's so many things that you can learn about yourself and so many different ways that you can get stronger from this. Um, that you know, to, mm. to trust that. Uh, but you're not what th- what actually happens, like you're not thinking any of that when you first get injured. There's a lot of other things that um that you're thinking at that at that moment in time. Um, so I think the very first thing is kind of like breathe, relax. You don't know what's happening yet. Um, try and take it day by day. And this is the time to gather information um, and kind of see and understand what's happening. And you're going to go through an emotional roller coaster, and that's very, very normal too. Mm-hmm. Usually step one is a lot of swearing. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I was, I was like, well, I, can't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what step one is. <laughs> so you mentioned in your book, uh, Rebound, that injured runners actually go through stages of grief, which it's like a death, you know, sometimes. Can you explain? Yeah, that's actually one of the first things that does happen is the um, is the first stage of grief. So this idea of the stages of grief came from uh, the work from Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on her work. Um, she wrote a book on death and dying, and it was about her work with terminally ill patients. And she, through all of her work, recognized that they went through these different phases as they were coming to terms with their terminal illness. And, um, and then researchers in the field of sports psychology sort of took, recognized this similar pattern in injured athletes and sort of took it and did research around that. And so, because it is like a, a loss of Mm -hmm. a part of yourself. And so in that it, it, you are going through a grieving process. And so the first thing sometimes that people do experience when they get injured is denial, which is the very first stage of the grieving process, which is like, a protective mechanism. So it's not a bad thing necessarily. If it continues for a long period of time, then absolutely it gets in the way, but it's a very effective coping mechanism to deal with something that feels like it is um, unbearable to deal with. So denial is a really important sort of part of that process. So, so often that's the first thing that happens is like, oh my God, no, 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 this can't be happening. Like, I'm sure it's fine. You know, you kind of deny, like I'll take a couple days off. I, I, you know, it's going to be nothing. Um, And it's just a protective sort of mechanism to try and manage the big emotions that you're feeling in that moment. Um, And then from there, the next stage is anger. Um, And that's where you might be, if there was someone else maybe involved in the injury or you're blaming, like there's anger towards others, but there's also anger towards yourself. If you're blaming yourself for the situation and then just angry in general, like Mm. angry that you can't do, your body is not um, doing what you want it to do and angry that you might be missing out on events. So that's the next phase that you move into. And then you move into bargaining, mm-hmm. which is sort of like another form of denial in a way, but it's like, and some people can be in bargaining for a long time. I've been in bargaining for a long time as an <laughs> injured athlete in the past um, it, where you're sort of like, well, you know what? I just like, if I take a couple weeks off and I really like, I just will enter slow, it'll be fine. I'll be able to get back to the race in time or like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, you know, I don't think it's really injured. It's just like, I can still do what I want to do, but I don't need to go take care of it. Um, So bargaining can be, there can be different lengths of time that bargaining happens. Um, And then once you start to 
it really starts to sink in like, okay, I, I am injured. This is happening. That's when you can, the next stage is depression, which there's some sadness around the realization mm-hmm. that this is, this is real, this is happening. And, and, and it is impacting me in a really big, um, in a really big way. And what's interesting about this stage is it's a good stage to be in. It doesn't feel good, but it's a good stage to be in because it means you're closer to acceptance, which is the final stage, which is like, okay, I would prefer not to be injured, but I am. So what do I want to do? Like, what's my next step? So that's, that's the moving through those stages of grief because you're, you feel like you're losing your athletic identity. You're losing a part of yourself. And there's so Mm -hmm. many other losses that happen too, like your stress outlet, your, um, your social outlet, you know, there's, there's so many different losses that, um, that can come with that. And then, you know, for some of us too, as we're aging athletes, like it also has you looking at, um, bigger grief too, and thinking about your own mortality and your own body and like, you know, what is, what is it going to be able to do 10 years from now? So it's, there's a lot of, um, losses that can happen. So that's why we sort of liken it to the stages of grief, um, Mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Cindy, do you want to jump in here? Yeah. I mean, as uh, Carrie is explaining those things, I'm like, oh, yep. Felt that, felt that, felt that, felt that. And I was just injured again last summer pretty seriously. So I, these memories are very fresh for me. But another thing that we talk about a lot too is that those are, there are those phases and stages of grief, right? But it's not necessarily always a linear process through them. Mm -hmm. You know, in some ways, like once you get to acceptance, then a lot of things do become easier. But that's not to say that you don't kind of go back and forth between some of these stages too. And we try to make sure people understand that that is all normal. That is all part of the process. And just knowing that and understanding that can make all of this a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not just a, a physical loss. It's like you were saying, Carrie, it's your identity. You know, I am a runner. I get up every morning at six o'clock. I put on my shoes. I go out for a run. What am I? What do I do now? You know, mm-hmm. I can't run. Who am I? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's very much what people go through. It's like, well, if I'm who am I if I'm not Claire the runner? Right. Like it's a, I think that people who aren't maybe runners or, or athletes um, don't understand that part of the process, mm-hmm. that like loss and that confusion of like uh, the, the identity sort of crisis that you go through in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a tendency as humans, but especially as runners, we want everything now. We want to be faster now. <laughs> we want to be stronger now. We want yes. to be healed now. And that's just, I mean, we can't expect that, obviously, with a serious injury. So how do we, you know, obviously there's physical things that we need to do for recovery, but what are the mental things that we need to do for, you know, our mental recovery? Well, I mean, you can pick up pick up this great book called Rebound. It's full of mental skills and drills <laughs> yes. to help you through this process. Um, no, but I think well, step one is just recognizing what you said, Claire, that there is an emotional and psychological component to this, and that that while some of your emotions can feel out of your control, there is actually a lot you can do to work on your mental mm-hmm. skills during this time, and that does give you some feeling of control back, and it also benefits you in the long run when you're getting back to your sport or whatever other challenges you might face in life, because. You know, even if you stay healthy for the rest of your athletic career, chances are you're going to face something else. So I think just understanding that there are things that you can do is is a really big step one of the process. And I guess Carrie can talk about some of the most what some of the most important things to do at first are, but there there are lots of them. 
Yeah. Okay, Carrie, what are the first things that we should do? (laughs) Yeah, I think um, part of it is reaching out for support. So Mm -hmm. there's a tendency to want to isolate during that time for many, many different reasons. And so making sure that you have a really strong support network around you, a strong support system from your medical team to, you know, family and friends, like that you're surrounded by people that are going to support you during this time. And that's one of the reasons why we started the Injured Athletes Club um, support group on Facebook, because a lot of times, even if you're um, on a team and you have other people that are athletes and they get how devastating it is, they might not be going through it in that moment. And so to be sort of surrounded by people that are actually going through it in that moment and can see you and understand what you're going through is a really powerful um, thing to do. I think another thing that is really helpful to do pretty early on is, uh, is to be, be very deliberate about redefining your goals mm. so that we can, um, there's a couple different reasons for that. One is that there's, you know, when you have this like, um, idea and vision of what your season's going to look like, and then you get injured and that's no longer available to you when you don't redefine your goals, there's part of you that still, um, gauging your feelings of success based on that original expectation, that the original vision you had in your mind. So it's really important to, um, to be very deliberate about like, okay, well, what are my goals now? And that all of your energy, your like energy was going into your sport and going into running. And now all your energy, energy and resources need to go into recovery. So, um, recovery is now your sport and that is where everything needs to be going, including your goals. So really being deliberate about, you know, working with your coach, working with your medical provider, like working with your team to go, okay, well, what are, you know, what are the markers I'm trying to accomplish? So that helps you both with motivation for rehabilitation and confidence that you're going to get through this. And then also, um, it gives you something to focus on. So you can focus on something that is in your control in this moment in time. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you markers to celebrate. Like we're really big in the injured athletes club about celebrating milestones and recognizing those. So those are a couple of like the really, really key, critical, important things to do in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, The self-isolation thing, I think is a big one actually to talk about because, okay, number one, we isolate ourselves because we don't want to be the complainers. We don't want to be the Debbie Downers. We don't want people to feel bad for us. And then the other reason we isolate is because honestly, we're jealous. We don't want to be around people who are running and happy and doing all the things that we used to do. You know, those are two really strong, you know, emotions that want, I just want to crawl up under the covers, you know? So how do we break through that? Yeah, it's so challenging. And again, as someone who's been injured um, many times, I've gone through this a lot. A couple things. One is that you know, when we interview athletes about this, a lot of times they'll say they feel that initial urge to isolate, but once they just push through it a little bit, like say, you know, you decide to go to a race. This happened to me last summer. I was training for a marathon and I didn't want to go to the race that I couldn't run, but we had plans to do it anyway. My other friends were running and I was like, all right, fine, I'll go. And once I got there, I was really glad I was there. Um, I was still sad to not be running, but even though 
kind of getting there was a little bit gutting. Like that experience was so fulfilling in a way that I couldn't necessarily have anticipated. And we hear that again and again, like going, spectating, supporting your runner friends in other ways, you know, crewing for them, cheering for them, taking a big flag, being out there on the sideline. I mean, think about how much that means to you when you're running a race and being able to give that to someone else, even when it's hard is actually really reward. I mean, that's what we do. We're athletes. We do hard things. We overcome our internal resistance to doing the things that we don't want to do. And then we we reap the benefits. And so if you kind of take that mindset to it, it's, it's, it can be so much more fulfilling if you give yourself a chance. And I understand why it is so hard. And I'm not saying that everyone can get there in one, in one big leap, but just consider the possibility that it might be more fulfilling than you expect. And another, yeah. 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 And another thing that really resonated with me, we had, um, Dimity McDowell from another mother runner on our podcast recently. And she is amazing and she cannot run at all. And she is in the, not only does she have this identity as an athlete, but she's created a community around the sport and hearing her talk about what she does in the moment when she sees runners out there, she still feels that jealousy, but she thinks to herself, may you run well, may you be well. She sends that message to them. It's like a little bit of a, a, um, it can sound a little like, spiritual or woo woo, but she said it just like brings her such peace to like to recognize those feelings and like just send a, a, a piece of goodwill out to them that she would hope that someone would send to her too. So those are some things that, that might help with that. I love that. I love that. And speaking of woo woo stuff, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's talk about how to turn this into an opportunity, shall we? You know, <laughs> so, so you said earlier that, you know, uh, yeah, it can be a good thing to be injured, which most people are like, uh, uh-uh. uh, let no, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> so let's see how can we spin this into an opportunity, Carrie? <laughs> Yes, it is like when you, the way I like to describe it to people, and we talk about this in the book too, and rebound is that I liken it to being on a hero's journey. So Mm -hmm. the hero's journey is the work of Joseph Campbell. And, and the idea is that, um, you know, all of these stories that he, he, you know, in his work, he was looking at um, sort of, there's this uh, archetypal story that happens with, um, with a lot of different sort of um, stories that were passed on over time. And now we'll see it in movies. We'll see it in movies like um, Hunger Games or uh, Lord of the Rings or uh, what else, like um, Harry Potter or Wizard of Oz, that there's a a person that's sort of the... Um, uh, is is someone that's an ordinary person that's being brought into an extraordinary world. And that is our hero and they go through their hero's journey. And so that is you as the athlete. You are on your own hero's journey, on your own big athletic journey map. So what happens when we're injured is um, it's such a, you know, um, impactful and devastating thing that can happen that we're, it's almost like we're looking through that, um, experience it through a microscope and see, and all we can see is the devastation of it. But when you pull back and look at your entire journey as an athlete, then you can see like, Oh, this is just where I am right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean my, I, you know, that, um, that I cease being an athlete. Cause that's the thing that people really struggle with is like, if I can't do the thing, that means I'm not the thing anymore. Like if I can't run, that means I'm not a runner anymore. If I can't do my sport, it means I'm not an athlete anymore. That's not what it means. It means this is where you're at on your journey. So in the hero's journey, it's cyclical. So you're called into an extraordinary world and you face all these trials and tribulations. And then you get to the 
the hardest battle that you have to go through. And then you come out the other side and you're a different person because of it. So it's not even like you're trying to get back to who you were before. You are, you can't because you're a different person Mm. and a different athlete because of going through this experience. So that's a kind of a big part, like a a broad stroke of how do I turn this obstacle into an opportunity? Um, And it's so fascinating too, because we've interviewed so many different athletes on the podcast and for the book and independently of each other, we'll have people tell us like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to go through this again and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I'm so grateful for this experience because of what it has brought to my life and who Mm -hmm. I am now because of it. So it's, it's hard. You, you can't have that perspective until you're on the other side, but if you're in the middle of an injury right now, just knowing that that is what happens for other people, sometimes you can trust that. If you can't feel it for yourself right now, you can trust. Well, I do trust that that is other people's experience and maybe that's what I can hold on to right now. I'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first I want to share what has really been a game changer in my nutrition lately. Even though I run, I lift weights, and I eat a healthy plant-based diet, I've really been struggling with feeling really hungry during the day. You know the feeling, you're hungry or hangry, and that leads to way more snacking or eating way more at meals than I really need for my activity levels. But I finally found the solution. Here's my routine. Up at six, start the day off with a balanced breakfast, and then I work in my office while the kids are getting ready for school. At 8.30, I'm off for a run or I'm at the gym. At 10, I make a smoothie with Nurify Plus from Prevenex, or I mix in a couple scoops into my oatmeal. With Nurify, I'm completely full and satisfied until about 2 p.m. when I'll have a late lunch. Then it's a healthy dinner with my family at 6, and I'm done for the day. Yes, that's four meals a day every four hours, but I have zero cravings for a mid-afternoon snack, and my energy levels are stable all day long. I'm also hitting my post-workout protein goals with Nurify Plus from Prevenex. You know that I'm picky about nutrition, and Prevenex only uses the highest quality, most clinically effective macro and micronutrients and nothing else. The protein is a perfectly balanced amino acid blend of organic yellow pea from Canada and brown rice from the UK. There's no fillers and there's nothing sketchy. And of course, it's delicious. I can't decide if I like the vanilla or the chocolate better. And here's the cool thing. My friends at Prevenix are giving the Planted Runner listeners 15% off your first order of Nurify Plus with the coupon code PR15. Just head to Prevenix.com and use my coupon code PR15 to get started today. You know, I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions, except when they're as easy as swapping out that ugly plastic laundry jug for a slim envelope of Earth Breeze. Earth Breeze looks exactly like a dryer sheet, but it's actually a super powerful, ultra concentrated laundry detergent that you toss into your washing machine in any cycle. It gets even my stinkiest running clothes fresh and clean, and there's no more awful orange jug in my laundry room or in the landfill. When you're ready to join me, you'll never run out of detergent again because EarthBreeze has a flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. If EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and get a full refund, no questions asked. Right now, my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash plantedrunner. That's earthbreeze.com slash plantedrunner for 40% off your subscription. 
Yeah, you have a lot of cool stories in the book. And, you know, Cindy, you're the journalist, so I'm sure you are collecting a lot of these stories and bringing them to life. Do you have any um, uh, examples that you can share with us, some of your favorites of uh, athletes who have rebounded? Yeah, it's a great question. And there's so many, it's hard to narrow it down, but I know. <laughs> uh, gosh, I mean, we talked to 50 athletes for the book and then we're on episode, I think 85 next week on the podcast. So there's so many that we've talked to, but you know, a runner who sticks out to me both for her physical accomplishment and overcoming and also her thoughtfulness about the process is Hillary Allen. She's a trail runner, a sky runner, and she had a really traumatic, um, injury where she fell off a cliff 150 feet during a race mm. and you know, it wasn't clear that she would survive, but she did. And she was back to racing actually 10 months later. Um, and it was a very difficult process for her. And of course she had some setbacks after that too, but, um, you know, that, that sort of belief in the process and taking one small step at a time and getting to a point that she could never have imagined 10 months prior, like to race again so soon after that sort of an accident. Uh, I just, I find it so incredible. And in part because she kind of like almost had let go of that as a goal. She was like, all I'm going to do is show up every day and do what I can do every day. And some days that's going to be more than others. Some days I'm really depressed and I can hardly do anything. Other days I can feel like I can really dedicate myself to rehab, but she just kind of somehow in, in all of the emotional challenge. And there are a lot of ways that she talks about both on our podcast, in our book, and she has her own incredible book called Out and Back, which I think is a must read for an athlete going through a difficult situation mm. like this. Um, she was just so thoughtful about how she gave herself the opportunity every day to make progress. And in the end, it added up to, um, to more than she could have imagined, both in her racing accomplishments and also in what Carrie was just talking about, her being like a more grateful, well-rounded person um, wanting to give back in even more ways than she already did. So her story is always one that, that stands out to me, especially for runners. Yeah, yeah, it's super inspiring. Lots of the stories are inspiring, but beyond just hearing people who got through it, uh, you offer some real help to people. It's like kind of rehab for your brain <laughs> on on how to mentally get through this. You actually lay out quite a few mental drills um, to help runners who are injured get through this difficult process. Carrie, can you talk about some of those? Yes. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many and I love them all, obviously, because mm -hmm. <laughs> like I use them all with my clients, but like there's, a, there are a few actually that stand out quite a bit. And, and, um, there's three in particular that immediately come to mind. And one is just, is called go far. So the idea with go far, far is an acronym for feel, accept, recover. So it sort of helps going through that, like moving through the grief process or moving through, um, denial to acceptance. So go far, you know, as any athlete that has been injured will tell you, the um, recovery is as much mental as it is physical. And you are sent on a giant emotional roller coaster. And so if you want to go far in your recovery, the first thing you have to do is feel your feelings. So F is for feel. You And you really have to allow yourself to feel all of the feelings that you're feeling. And we're not always good at uh, <clears throat> labeling those emotions. 
we sometimes kind of, our brain likes to clump things into categories. And so we're not always very good at um, being accurate with the emotion that we're feeling. And so what that's another thing we have in the book is the emotion decoder. So you can look at like, okay, you can just go down the list of all these different emotions and go, oh, that's what it is. That's what I'm Mm -hmm. feeling. Because there's power. And once you can accurately label it and touch it, it helps, um, it helps you move through that emotion once you really allow yourself to feel it and recognize what it is. So feel is the first. And then, um, a is, uh, go far, feel, accept, recover. So now that you felt your feelings, you can accept like, okay, I, this is what's happening. I accept where I am. I accept what I need to do. And now what, right? Recover is the now, what do I do? But you have to feel your feelings in order to move through that process. So that's a really, that's one that stands out quite a bit. Um, another one that I love and stands out is one that, um, (laughs) that sometimes when people read the book, they're like, "Eh, I don't know if I'm going to do that one. Like, I'm not so (laughs) sure I want to partake in the writing a letter to my injury, Carrie and Cindy. And so, (laughs) so this one, I, I love, I mean, for so many reasons, because I know it can be impactful, but also because my sometimes, uh, people that are the most skeptical of it, uh, do it and then go, Oh my gosh, I had like, I can't even believe what came out of that exercise. And I had no idea. So this one, the first step of it um, requires you to g- give your injury a name. So this is Peggy Sue, my left shoulder here. Her name is Peggy <laughs> Sue. And we're working together right now through an injury. So what this does when you personify your injury, you give it a name. Now when you relate to your injury, you relate to it in a completely different way through a totally different filter. So to create some psychological distancing is what the you know what we're trying what we're achieving by doing that. So instead of me referring to like just getting being internal with the experience and just getting angry with my shoulder or referring it to my good shoulder and my bad shoulder, this is Peggy Sue. And that's how I talk to her. (laughs) So, so the first thing is you give your, um, your injury a name and then you write a letter to your injury and ask all the questions that you have on your mind or say whatever it is that's on your mind. And we have some prompts in the book, um, for that. And then the injury writes a letter back in response to the original letter that you wrote. Um, and people are often very, some people are, it's super excited immediately. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this sounds like a great idea. And other people are like, I'm not going to do that, Carrie. Like, (laughs) yeah, sure. (laughs) Like, so, and that's one of the reasons why we have so many tools in the book, because there are things that are going to really work well and resonate with one person differently than, than mm-hmm. another. But, um, but that is definitely one of my favorite, um, drills. And I know Cindy has her own favorite drills in the book too. Yeah. Cindy. Yeah. One of my favorites is one called energy conservation, which I think about it so much. Um, when, you know, when, when I am injured and I'm kind of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm getting that phase of like beating myself up for all of the things that I did to contribute to my injury. Or I'm worried about the doctor's appointment I have or the scan that I have, or I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to run this race. Like you just, when you start to get caught in those loops, like you, you're expending so much energy into places that don't have anything to do with where you are right now and how you can manage your recovery moving forward. So it's really easy to get caught in those. And I find um, just sitting down and actually visualizing for me, it can, you can picture it any way you like, but I always picture it like, you know, those balls where you kind of touch them and they have like light inside and the light goes to where your fingers are. (laughs) I kind of picture those lightning sort of bolts, those uh, lights, like 
waves, rays of light going all in all different directions. And then I just visualize them coming back in and coming back to me and focusing on where I am right now. Like Carrie said, feel, accept, recover. Like, okay, I've accepted this is where I am now. What do I do to actually get moving on my recovery versus worrying about all these things? I mean, it, it's not to say that you shouldn't take a look at the, you know, things you might need to work on or change, but just in that moment, like what, bringing your energy back to yourself so you have more control of that moment. So that's one that, again, Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure about, but once I tried it, I found it surprisingly (laughs) powerful. I love all of these because obviously they are helpful when you're injured, but this is all really good stuff for when you're not injured too. Mm -hmm. When there are negative things happening in your life or when you're running hard, you know, the, the Peggy Sue shoulder is very similar to what I do when I'm running hard and I get negative thoughts. That's negative Nancy. I know that's not very creative, (laughs) Um, but Nancy is always on the bus, but I don't let her drive, you know? And so so Mm. I give my negative voice uh, a complete, complete personality. I can describe her to the T, you know, and, (laughs) and again, it's because I separate that from myself, which is why it works. So that's just, it's so cool that you can apply that to probably anything, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I'll change my negative um, thoughts into someone else's voice. Mm. Uh, Like, uh, so I'll have someone else be the narrator, like, Samuel L. Jackson or Matthew McConaughey. And then it's just like takes oh, on a whole it. life of its own. <laughs> right? So negative Nancy is a great idea. Yes. Uh, I'm doing Matthew McConaughey next. That is for sure. I love that. I love that. How can you be mad at Matthew McConaughey's like exactly. sweet voice? Oh my God, that is so perfect. <laughs> well, um, I did want to uh, bring up one uh, chapter title of uh, one a title of the chapter of one of your chapters, if I can say that right. Um, It's a, you're special, but you're not special. And I love that because I say this to my kids all the time. I say, you're special, just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I would love for you to kind of explain what that means. Yeah, I think um, it's funny too because I remember when we came up with that, and there was still part of me that was like, "Oh, but you are." I don't, I don't take this the wrong way. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think, I think you know, for I think for both of us, like one of one of the things we wanted to impart is that like everybody's injury journey is unique, and it's one of the things that's really hard sometimes is that. Um, you know, when you're working with your medical providers or your coaches or whoever, and sometimes they just see an injury and don't see the person that's connected to the injury. And so you, you are unique, even though, you know, this person maybe has seen thousands of, you know, torn ACLs or whatever it is. Um, this is you and your torn ACL and your experience and, and you are special because of that. However, you're also not special because you are not the only person that's ever gone through this. Mm-hmm. You're not the only person that's ever been injured. Um, and this is very often not for everybody. We have met, we have actually met some athletes that have not been injured, but including, you know, Claire, for, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. That's me. <laughs> that's so it's, me. Uh, you know, it's not a guaranteed part of your athletic journey, but there's a um, there's a high likelihood, right? When you push your body to its limit, sometimes you're going to find where that limit is, and so that was the part that's like, but you're but you're not special, like, and also mm-hmm. um, sort of normalizing some of the things that you're going through as well. It's like, yes, you're experience is unique. And yes, you are not alone. And there are a lot of other people that have gone through those exact emotional experiences that you are going through right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that piece of it feels really important too, because I think a lot of times we as athletes struggle with 
with the grief and the disappointment and the frustration that we do feel, we feel like sometimes that maybe we're not entitled to that or like other people in our lives might even say, well, gosh, it's not like you have, you know, a terrible disease or you're probably going to get, but, you know, people will kind of try to, to minimize some of these emotions and that, um, whether you're doing that to yourself or you're having other external voices that are trying to do that for you, I, that, that just, we find that that's not very helpful in right. recovery and that there's enough, uh, there's enough sympathy and empathy to go around. And in fact, when people including injured athletes, go through hard things, they, again, often access deeper wells of empathy for other people and are mm. more willing to connect with other people who are going through hard things. So it's just the, the idea that you, you know, that other people are having these emotions and that's normal and you can have them. So you're not special in that way, mm -hmm. but you are special enough to, to care about something and be sad when it is missing from your life. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Because sometimes the athletes will even be dismissive of their emotional mm -hmm. experience and feel like, Oh my gosh, how could I, you know, it does, why am I even feeling like this? It's not my profession. It's not like I'm losing sponsorships, although some of them are, you know, but, but I hear that a lot and it's like, Oh, you're still, I mean, exactly what Cindy is saying. Like you're, you know, this is still an emotional experience for you. This is something that's really important and, and is a big part of your life. Like it doesn't matter that you're, you know, that it's not your profession and it doesn't matter that other people are going through something that is more challenging right now. Like you are going through this and it is an emotional experience and it's okay for it to be an emotional experience. Well, one very real emotional part of it is a lot of runners or athletes in any sport, but especially running, a lot of us go for a run because of our mental health. We feel better after a couple miles of running or whatever it is. That is our release valve, our stress valve. That's our alone time. It's it's not just about performance. It's about this actually does make my life better mentally. And mm -hmm. so let's get into real practical. So, okay, let's use the ACL example. I have a torn ACL. I can't run. What do I do for my mental health? Forget about recovery, but just day to day, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm working with an athlete right now that's struggling with this and she happens to be a runner and it's hard because when that's like, so, so much of your life, um, and your mental health goes into that thing, it's possible that you haven't developed other tools in your toolbox to be able to utilize for your mental health. And so that's the first piece is just exploring what that could be. Cause sometimes you have no idea because that this has been the thing and this has been the, you know, what's served you for so long and you didn't need to work on anything else right now. You do. Ah. And so, um, so it's an opportunity in that way <laughs> to start looking at, well, well, what else do I provides me joy? So that's one of the things I'll do. And one of the things we're working on actually, um, together is her, creating her joy list, which is like just a list of eight to 10 different things that bring you joy you, that you do for no other reason, but pure pleasure. Um, because managing stress is an important part of recovery because we know that stress can impede the healing process. So um, being very deliberate about part of your recovery plan is to experience joy and to, you know, and to lessen your stress and to experience happiness and laughter. And so, and the mini joy list is like, why, you know, the reason this is helpful it's because if you haven't thought about it, you, this is just an experiment. We're just going to write some stuff on a piece of paper and see how it feels. Cause it can feel really overwhelming in that moment when you're like, I don't know what else to do. And I'm freaking out. So just brainstorming the smallest things like, 
going to have tea on your deck outside or, you know, sitting down to read a magazine, putting on your headphones and listening to your favorite album, like whatever it is. One of mine is I always have a thing of bubbles laying around and I'll go outside and blow bubbles. You can't be mad when you're blowing bubbles. You just can't. I've tried. (laughs) It's amazing. So whatever those things are, but being deliberate about putting them into your training plan, which your training plan right now is your recovery. So, so that that's one thing to do when, when so much of your mental health was, was connected to this thing that you can't do anymore. It's really important to think about. Um, so it's such a great question, Claire, like, well, what else can I do to help myself there because of that? And support is a big piece too, you know, having that support system that we talked about and we talk about this in Rebound and it's true of all kinds of challenges. I think you need like four different kinds of support. You need um, tangible support, like someone, you know, carrying your stuff if you have crutches. You need uh, motivational support, someone to kind of cheer you on in your rehab. You need informational support, which is like what you might get from your healthcare provider, but you also need emotional support, just someone to listen to you and tell you that you that they get it. And that's where, you know, things like our Facebook group or other groups of injured athletes or other people who will, will offer you that are really important too. And like Carrie said, being deliberate about asking for that, asking for what you need. Sometimes we expect other people to be able to read our minds and know the exact types of support that we need when we need it. Um, when in reality, sometimes they don't know, they want to help us, but they don't know how and us telling them how we need support and them offering it doesn't diminish the value of that support, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really important too. And then I think just movement, you know, when you're usually, if you have surgery or something like that, you'll have physical therapy, you'll have movement that you're required to do, but doing a kind of movement. And again, you want to work with your healthcare providers to make sure that you're not overdoing it because you are going to need more recovery to heal whatever it is that is injured. But keeping some kind of movement on a regular basis in your routine, like just moving your body in space, even if it's someone else moving your body, even if it's getting stretched out or a massage or something like that, like there is something really valuable. Like sometimes you just have to realize that, okay, running was such a great complete package. I could get so much of what I needed in one run, but now I might need to do four or five different things to like replicate all the benefits of running. I mean, that's how great running is. (laughs) Sometimes it takes that much of a breakdown, but being creative and having a little bit of curiosity about what, it is that can fill those roles too, actually just also helps shift your mindset into a more positive view instead of just dwelling on everything that you're missing. It becomes a little bit more of a a fun, not fun necessarily, but a challenge (laughs) or a puzzle versus just kind of a pit of despair. At least that's what I found. (laughs) Yeah. Cindy, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, if you're, let's go back to the ACL thing. So you got one leg that just doesn't, you can't walk on that one leg. What else can you do instead of focusing on what you can't do? What could you do some seated workouts? Could you swim? You know, could you do something else? You know, there are a lot, actually, if you get on YouTube, there are mm-hmm. a lot of seated workouts that would challenge yes. just about anyone. So, you know, there are ways to move. There are ways to get your heart rate up. There are ways to get really, really strong. You know, runners, mm-hmm. we just run and kind of like, half acid at the gym. Mm. (laughs) At least most people do. But you know, again, opportunity, we could take this opportunity to build a killer core or work Mm -hmm. on our glutes. You know, there's so many physical things that most people can still do even with a debilitating injury. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of getting to acceptance too. Cause you'll I'll see athletes sometimes swing on that sort of all or nothing pendulum. Well, if I can't do the workout I want to do, then I'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. instead of like, Oh, but what can you do? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly what you said, Claire, like when you're injured, it's so easy to focus on all the things you can't do. Um, and when you're doing that, you're still fighting, you're fighting against accepting that you're injured. And so once you get to acceptance, then you might go, it is worth it to move your body in any way. Um, even though it's not your preferred way and Mm -hmm. you would prefer to be able to run. That's not available to you. So what do you want to do? And so, yeah, to just not, I see so many people struggle with that all or nothing of like, well, it's not even worth it. If I can't, if I can only, you know, run for five minutes, like, oh, it is worth it. That's part of your journey. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the next struggle I think that's important to talk about is, okay, so we we're injured. We go through the whole journey. We come out on the other side, the pain's gone. We're good to go. We're getting back into our sport that we love. So many people come to me, athletes of mine and say, yeah, I was injured two years ago and I'm still scared to go fast at the track. I am terrified I'm going to get injured or I want to run this race, but I'm probably not going to go hundred percent because I had that injury and I just don't ever want to go back there again. How do we get through that? Yeah, it's a very normal response to um, being injured. That it's another place where we see sort of the emotional roller coaster come up. It's like at the onset when you hit setbacks, and then when you get back to high intensity training and competition. And so when you get to that point in your recovery, you're um, it's very natural for your brain to want to protect your body. So you're not quite trusting that your body's ready. So this happens with a lot of athletes where you're physically cleared, but you're not mentally cleared. Right? You haven't done the work to really work on. On your, on your confidence and your focus and your motivation going back into that high intensity training and competition. And so that's, you know, a big part of why we did the book is, is those are the tools that you need to do as you are healing physically so that you feel more confident once you get to that point. So a lot of it, um, it's your triggering your stress response in that moment as a protective mechanism. And there are tools that both need to relax the body or the physiological response of the stress response and then also relax the mind, which is the psychological impact that creates the stress response. There's, you have to work on both ends to, um, kind of throw a wrench in that negative feedback loop, that fear loop that's trying to protect you. So once you have some tools to be able to work with that, then, um, your brain and your body can be at the same place at the same time, meaning like you're physically ready, the, the, you're, you've been cleared, everybody know like your doctors are saying you can do this, your coach is saying you can do this, and now you believe it too. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of specific exercises in the book that maybe we could we could share too, and maybe your athletes would appreciate them, Claire. One of them is the anxiety pyramid. Um, so, you know, if you have someone who got injured in a specific situation, like say during a track workout or during a race, and that is the thing that brings them the most anxiety, um, maybe you don't have to get there all at once. Think about that as the top of the pyramid, but there are probably some steps between here and there. Like maybe it's if they got injured doing a 200 meter rep, maybe it's a little bit longer, but slower lower rep that they do uh, building up to that. Or, you know, maybe it's a different distance of race, like actually a longer race. So they'd be going a little bit slower or, you know, are there like, there's almost always like intermediate steps along the way toward whatever the situation is or was that brings you the most anxiety. So can you kind of map those out, do one at a time, build a little bit of confidence, and then eventually get to that point where you realize that you are physically and mentally aligned and in a different place than you were before you got injured? 
I um, love it. It's just yeah. like building fitness, baby steps, one mm-hmm. thing at a time. It's building back. You know, again, we want everything yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> and that doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is a perfect place to kind of wrap things up. But I first want to ask you, why does the audio on your podcast sound so good? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to say it just is our magical voices of Carrie and Cindy, uh, of myself and Cindy. um, But I think there may be another reason. (laughs) It could be because we share the same amazing uh, audio producer, editor, extraordinaire, Jeremy Nessel, who uh, does a great job of both making sure we have the right equipment and setup and also cleaning up any mistakes that we make as we go. So thank you, Jeremy. We appreciate you so much. We don't don't make mistakes. What do you mean? We don't make any mistakes. They're all all perfect. Just take one. (laughs) I did have to restart this. Hopefully Jeremy is going to edit that part out, but (laughs) he always does. Well, perfect. Um, Cindy and Carrie, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Before we go, Cindy, why don't you tell us where we can find you? Sure. Well, personally, I am at Cindy Kuzma on Instagram and Twitter and all of the things. And I have a website, cindykuzma.com. And collectively, we have a website that's theinjuredathletesclub.com. And there you'll find links to our book, our podcast, our Facebook group, or you can just search Facebook for the Injured Athletes Club. And yeah, that's where you can find us. And, And, you know, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for being here. I know this is really helpful to anyone who is currently injured or anyone who will be injured in the future, which is just about all of us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care. Thanks, Claire. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is play the long game. By definition, long distance running takes time. We are tempted to want to get results as quickly as possible. At the beginning, we do tend to improve rapidly, but at some point our progress can slow. For others, the beginning is the hardest part and results can seem to take forever. But if we try to force our fitness with one more rep, running faster than intended or more often than our body can handle, we actually slow our progress. And if we get injured, that will set back everything. So play the long game. Aim for sustainable and consistent efforts with your fitness and your nutrition. Don't try to get better every day. Try to get better every year by doing manageable training with good recovery every day. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast or watching it on YouTube. Don't forget that your Apple podcast review automatically enters you in our monthly contest. One lucky winner will get a signed copy of the Planted Runner book each month this year. So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and you're automatically entered to win. Your reviews are the biggest factor in the success of this show, and I read every single one. Have a great run today. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series 
from Crowd Network.